you. Hi, everyone. And uh, Merry Christmas in the beginning of this Advent season. This is amazing. I'm glad to be here. I was here earlier this year, and uh, if you are interested in listening to that message, I think they filed it under Best Messages of 2019. <laughs> On the web, you can find it out there. No, that's, if this is your first time here, uh, then I'm sorry you don't get to hear from Nate today because he is an amazing human being, and you have to come back and hear from him because I, I love that guy so much. But I'm glad that I get to be here uh, with you today as we launch into this whole series where we're talking about Advent. Uh, now, I have a true confession. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in the church. I started going to the church when my neighbor invited me when I was about 10 years old, 9, 10 years old. But for years, and even 20 years after I was a pastor in a church, I didn't know what Advent meant. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the whole thing. I grew up, I, we had an Advent uh, wreath in our home growing up, and it was more of like a decoration. And my, my grandma had an Advent calendar. We had an Advent uh, box, kind of a calendar in our home for our kids. And we would just stuff it with, with candy, little treats. So every day throughout December as we, we got closer to Christmas and they could open up a little door and they could pull a treat out of there. But it was really, for me, I thought it was more of a, like a countdown to Christmas. It was like those paper chains that we made when we were in, you know, kindergarten, we would rip a chain off, you know, it's just the closer we got to Christmas, then we got more prizes. And uh, my grandma, in, in her advent calendar box that she had uh, on the 25th, like when we opened up that box, it was absolutely amazing because grandma always had a check in there, all right? <laughs> So we got these little candies along the way. We'd open the door and we'd get these little candies and love notes from grandma. But then there was a check at the end, you know, and that, that was the biggest love note of all for us as, as kids. And, and, and really, maybe that has more of the nuance, more of the meaning of what Advent is about, is that you know something is coming and you're looking forward to it. Right? There's this sense of expectation that somebody is coming. Uh, Advent comes from the Latin, if you're curious, comes from a Latin word, uh, veni. That's part of Advent. And if you grew up in the Catholic tradition at all, then maybe you've heard uh, the phrase veni sanctus spiritus uh, that ends up in some of the songs, which means come spirit or, or please come spirit. And, and really it has this sense of, of please uh, come here. Please come visit us. Please come be with us. And in the season of Advent, this is the overarching thing. For us in Advent, we know something good is going to happen. Turn to the person next to you and say, something good is going to happen. Okay, good. See, that's what it's supposed to feel like. Something good is going to happen. And, and in the season of Advent, uh, there's this sense of preparation for all of us because something good is going to happen. So we're, we're preparing ourselves for, for the good thing that is coming, and we're gaining perspective along the way. So the good thing that is going to happen is that Jesus is on the way. Jesus is coming. Now, we'll talk about this because Jesus has already come. There's, there's a few different advents we're going to talk about. But Jesus is on the way. And then if we're completely honest with one another, there is also a sense of, oh, dear Jesus, please come. Please come. And, and not only in a sense of, like, rescue, not only in a sense of, uh, and certainly not uh, specifically in a sense of like escapism, like just get me out of here. It's, it's not so much that as, Lord, meet me where I'm at. Like right now, please, please, I, I, I desperately need you. And so we gain this perspective uh, throughout Advent as, as we have this plea and as we ask for God to come and be with us and, and prepare us. Uh, here's another true confession. I'm not always prepared. 
I mean, I'm prepared for this today. <laughs> My heart is, is not always prepared. And I, I think that's a good thing for us to admit if, in fact, you're in that spot today, which I have a feeling all of us are, right? That we're not, we're not just always the best at preparing our hearts. God doesn't, God doesn't instruct us to do things that we're already good at, <laughs> right? He doesn't say, now, yea, verily, breathe. We, we got that one down, right? Eat at Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, God doesn't do that. We, we know that. But, but preparation, getting perspective, uh, this is something that is talked about all throughout this story that we see in the Bible. So I'm not always prepared, but you know what, what helps me get prepared is having, having something to look forward to. And I think that we're all kind of built that way. We, we need something to look forward to. So I was a pastor in a church for over 30 years, and uh, this is not a sob story, but many pastors in large churches work long hours. All right, and so I would put in year after year, 60 to 80 hour weeks sometimes, a lot of the time, and, and I had to teach my kids, and I had to actually walk hand in hand with my wife through this to understand that there's, there's not always a thing called balance in life, right? Balance is kind of a misnomer. It's kind of a, it, it, nobody really leads a balanced life, but, but what's important in life is to understand that we all go through seasons and that at the end of that season, we can have something to celebrate together, right? It just helps us to look forward to something. So I would tell my kids, I know dad hasn't been around a lot. And, and for the next month, I'm not going to be around a lot after that, it, it, until then. But, but, but after that month is done, guess what? We're going to Disneyland. I mean, whatever the case was, you know, and then it was like, ah! I mean, then they had something to look forward to and they could deal with whatever rough season they were in. Are, are you getting my drift? with this? Are, are you picking this up? So having something to look forward to in the season is always a good way to gain perspective and to get our hearts in the right place. And I think that Advent has a lot to do with that. Now, there's a culture that understands preparation and looking forward to something, I think, better than any other culture. I think it's the Jewish culture. And if not for Jesus, I think I would be Jewish because these guys know how to party. They know how to look forward to something. They know how to prepare for something. And, and as a matter of fact, in ancient Israel, there, uh, we read these stories in the Bible of how they would travel uh, three times a year back to Jerusalem because they had something to look forward to. And they would prepare for these feasts. These feasts are specifically the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the reason it's called Unleavened Bread and the reason that they uh, celebrate uh, Passover with unleavened bread is because when the people of God left Egypt, when they were in slavery and they fled from Egypt, God said, get out of here as fast as you can. Don't even wait for the bread to rise. Isn't that a cool story? And so they would, they, would, they would celebrate this feast called Unleavened Bread, and Passover kicks it off. And then they have this other feast called the Feast of Weeks, and also known as uh, Pentecost. And this is seven full weeks after, uh, after the first grain harvest. And then they had another, another feast that they would travel back for called the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, and really, it, literally, it's the Feast of Tents. And if you can imagine thousands upon thousands of people flooding into Jerusalem and needing a place to stay, then you can also see tents scattered throughout the city. And that's exactly what was happening with these feasts. Now, as they would travel, they would prepare their hearts. They were looking forward to meeting with the people of God. They were looking forward to meeting with God. They had a special moment that they were looking forward to in the season. And as they would go, they would sing songs. Do you guys 
put road songs together like when you go on a trip? Like that's, my family does that all the time. We always put together, you know, a playlist for the road. And I can guarantee you if we're going on vacation, somewhere along the line, daddy is listening to Linda Ronstadt's Heart Like a Wheel album. It's just like, it's just a thing that happens. And it, it puts my heart in the right spot, you know, as, I, as I'm moving from place to place. You can read these psalms. They're often called the Psalms of Ascent in Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, 15 psalms. And they would sing these songs on their way to Jerusalem. They would sing them when they got there, too, because sometimes those songs are referred to as the songs of steps. And this is such a cool picture, because as they would get up to the temple in Jerusalem, on each step, as they climbed each step, they would sing a different song. Oh, that's a cool picture, right? So they would prepare themselves, and they would say, something good is going to happen. I need these kinds of things in my life. To prepare myself, and I think that you might too. Now, there's multiple advents in the Bible that we read about, that we know about. Uh, there's multiple advents. The first one is that Jesus came, right? That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's 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 why Advent feels so right at this time of year because Jesus came. But the other thing is that Jesus comes all the time. This is another advent that he comes daily. To us. Uh, and then there's this other advent that Jesus is coming. So he came, he comes, he's coming. And this is what, this is a, this is a multifaceted advent. Now why, why is he coming? Why did he come in the first place? Why does he come every day? Why is he coming again? Because it's broken. Because we're broken. Right? This is why we desperately need him. But this is good news that he came, he comes, he's coming. This is good news. We're broken and God is always in the business of putting broken things back together. We're wounded. We're suffering. He wants to work through all that and he wants to come to us. So he came at Christmas time, right? That's what we celebrate. He identified with us. Jesus showed us what it means to be a real human being. I mean, honestly, I got news for us. Jesus didn't come to make better Christians. He came to make better human beings. You see the difference, right? He, he came for everybody because he wants us to be drawn to his father, right? And, and he's always in the business of making things better and healing things. He came to usher in a new life for us. He came to give us a new beginning. He came to give us a start over. And he came to a place called Bethlehem. Bethlehem literally means house of bread. Now, this is, this is great, right? Because when Jesus is older, one of the titles that he has for himself is what? The bread of life. He's the bread of life. The bread of life came to the house of bread to be bread for us, to give us sustenance, to give us life, to be there for us all the time. I love those word pictures. So he came, and then he comes every day. Every day, with, with every tiny surrender, with every breath that we take through every trial, through every bit of pain and suffering, we see Advent. We see that he comes to us. And then he's coming one day. There's this mystery that the Bible talks about. And I don't care how many people write books about it and try to guess the dates and everything else. Ah, we're not going to figure it out. It's a mystery. But Jesus is coming. 
he is making a return. I'm going to read uh, a passage to us out of the book of Matthew. This is in uh, Matthew chapter 24. It says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered into the ark. And they knew nothing about what happened until the flood came and took them all away. And this is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken, the other left. And therefore, this is important, keep watch because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. And understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Now, when I read this as a kid, it scared me half to death, right? And Hollywood and, and, and the Bible bookstores even kind of perpetuated this kind of thing, right? right? And, and movies came out and books were written and, you know, and there was like, I still see the scene of like a guy shaving and his razor in the sink and, you know, people freaking out. That passage that I just read is not supposed to strike fear into us, right? What's scary is the thief that comes into the house. And breaks things and steals things and destroys things. That's, that's scary. But, but, that, but that's not what Jesus is doing. Right? And so we're supposed to, I mean, Jesus often told stories. And it's not, it's not one-to-one correlations for every little point in the story. We're just supposed to go, oh, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like when you don't know what's going to happen and then surprise. But it is a good thing that Jesus is coming back. Yeah. He came. He comes. He's coming. No, we're not going to unpack prophecy. I'm not going to guess the date or anything like that for, for you today. So, so feel good about that because <laughs> I'd be a false prophet and then you'd have to stone me. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to talk about prophecy. We're going to talk about what we do know. All right? It's good to talk about the things that we do know, what the Bible says. So let's talk about this. Where is he coming to? Where is he coming to? Well, he's coming to us. He's coming to you, man. He's coming to you. He's coming to me. He's coming to you guys. Everybody else that I didn't mention, you too. I just don't have the time to point you all out. He's coming to us because it's like a new Bethlehem we are. It's, it's, like, it's like a new manger, so to speak, where Jesus is coming to. It's, Jesus wants to be born in us and through us. Not, not just for our sake, but for the sake of all humanity. He wants to be born in us. He wants to take residence in us. Man, that's super exciting. That's thrilling to think about. That that's what Jesus wants to do. And then, so if we know this, if we know that he's coming, that he, he wants to live in us, that he constantly wants to be born in us for the world to see, then how do we get ready for him to come? This is a good question. How do we get ready for a guest? How many of you had guests at Thanksgiving or were a guest somewhere else at Thanksgiving? Okay, a, a good, good portion of us. All right. We went to my daughter, my oldest daughter's house for Thanksgiving, and I think there were 28 people there at my daughter's house, right? Man, she had to do a lot of work to get ready for everybody to come. 
I didn't do anything to get that house ready, but I did have to get ready in a different way because 28 of my family members, who we often lovingly refer to as the zoo, were going to show up at her house. And I knew I had to be prepared for what might happen. Now, the best way to get ready for a guest who is coming to your house is to know what you're feeling and embrace those feelings so you can deal with it, so you're not surprised. We prepare for guests by, by being honest with ourselves, right? And being honest about what's going on inside of us. And then it makes the experience so much more pleasant. So guests are coming to your house. How do you face that? Sometimes, let's talk about all the ways that we face, well, maybe not all the ways, but some of the ways, a good number of the ways, right? Uh, sometimes with hesitation, right? Guests are coming over to your house. You have hesitation. What does hesitation look like? It looks like, it looks like uncertainty. It's that, oh no, what is going to happen? Uncle Charlie's coming, <laughs> right? Oh no, what is going to happen? So hesitation sometimes when a guest is coming. Uh, sometimes when a guest is coming, we experience fear. It's, it's closely related to hesitation, but it, it kind of one-ups it because we have a pretty good idea of what is going to happen. And that makes us scared, right? So hesitation, fear. Sometimes a guest is coming in and, and it's a sense of reunion. Like we're elated. It's, it's going to be a reunion because we haven't seen them for a while. Now think of all of these things that we're talking about in the context of Jesus coming too, Right? That's what we're talking about. Not just guests at our home. It's a metaphor. Sometimes when we think about Jesus coming, for many of us, it's a reunion. We haven't been together in a while. Right? And it's good to admit that. And it's a good place to be. God's not afraid of that. Sometimes when we're having a guest come over, we have a sense of anticipation, right? What does that look like? We have high hopes. We have a good vision of what the future might be. And maybe, maybe that's how we think of Jesus' advent in us. And then some of us have a sense of overwhelming excitement. This is how it was for me as a kid when family would get together, before I was aware of all the drama, right? When I was a kid, you know, I was climbing the curtains because I was going to see my aunts and my uncles and, and my cousins and my grandma and my grandpa, and everybody was going to be in the same place, and it was going to be fantastic. It's going to be like the Carlisle home. We need to be honest with all of those feelings when we go into an Advent time, when we think about what it is for Jesus to come and realize that he is not afraid of our honesty wherever you're at today. He, he wants to come. He wants to spend time with you. I like to think about Advent in terms of adventure at the same time, right? Looks like they, they have the same word in them, right? Advent and adventure, they're actually closely related, but they're completely different because with Advent, we have this sense of coming or arrival. And with adventure, it's this idea of going into the unknown. And there's a little bit of that at Advent time too. Like we're excited, we're anticipating, but we're also venturing into the unknown. We don't have the whole thing figured out. So like that Matthew passage that I read uh, points out for us, as we, as, as we approach 
Advent, as we're in the Advent season, we, we need to be okay with feeling all the feels as we have a sense of anticipation, and then like the passage said, a sense of watchfulness. Now, why are we on watch? We're on watch because there's a thief. What does the thief want to do? The thief wants to take it all away. The thief wants to distract us. The thief wants our attention. You understand? It's, so, it's not so scary that way. When you think that there's a God who wants to come and reside in you and, and hold you close and make everything all right, right? And weep with you and walk with you. Man, to know that he's got your back and that you need to stay on watch for, for somebody else, that's a, that, that's a beautiful picture. So stay on watch for the thief who is trying to mess it all up. The thief who wants everything to stay broken. Your relationships with one another, he wants us to stay broken. Your relationship with God, he wants us to stay broken. Your relationship with the world and how you uh, react with the world around you, how you take care of the world, he wants that to stay broken. The relationship that you have with yourself, he wants that to stay broken. And God is always trying to put those things together and help us have the tools to put those things together as we invite him to come and be born in us because he is in the business of unbreaking it, right, of putting it all back together. Now, there's a ton of times where I'm distracted by the thief, you know, where I'm not on watch. A few years ago, I was sitting with my grandkids. My, my grandkids now are, my oldest is eight, and then there's a six-year-old and a four-year-old. So this was probably three years ago. Uh, they all wanted to play Christmas. We were, they were living in Michigan at the time. They're now here, thank God. And, uh, and we were out in Michigan. We were visiting them, and, and I was exhausted because I was doing so much, working so hard in the church as I, as I was for years. And I, I barely had the energy to play, which was super sad. I got totally distracted, and I got over to their house, and they wanted to play Christmas, and, and the oldest was, like, divvying out the roles. For, now, playing Christmas is the manger scene, really. That's what they're doing, right? And so she was, she was giving all the roles because she's a self-made woman, and, and she, said, uh, she said, well, I'm going to be Mary. Well, of course, <laughs> you know, and so she picked Mary, and then uh, my grandson, the youngest, he was obviously the baby Jesus because he was the youngest, and, and she said uh, that I was going to be uh, God, the, the father in, in this whole thing, and and then uh, Betsy, who is the middle child, I could see this look of panic on her face because she wasn't Jesus, she wasn't God, she wasn't Mary, she didn't know what role she was going to play. And so I stepped in to kind of rescue her, and I said, you could be the angel, you can be an angel announcing. And she said, I don't want to be the angel, I'm going to be the donkey. <laughs> and then the donkey became the coveted role in our family when we played Christmas because the donkey goes around pooping on things, right? I mean, they're kids, right? The donkey eats whatever the donkey wants. The donkey jumps on top of the baby Jesus. Like, it, it was like everybody wanted to be the donkey then. Everybody wanted to play Christmas. And as I was watching this scene play out, and as I, too, took on the role of donkey, uh, I, I thought, man, how much of this have I, have I missed? How much of this have I thrown away? How many times have I been unwatchful? How many times have I allowed somebody to steal this kind of playfulness from me? I don't want that come long expected Jesus. Come now. He came and he comes and we look forward to his coming and when we look forward to his coming we're not just sitting and waiting. 
we're, we're super active. This, this watchfulness is, is an active, active thing. What does it look like then? Well, we wait, yes, but we wait as we, as we go. And, and we anticipate as we move. And we look as we watch. And we invite as we invest. See, as we're, as we're preparing and we're watching and we're asking the Lord to come in us, other people are watching. And that's part of the beauty of Advent too, is that everything, that as Jesus is being born in us, right? And as we live that out, then people are watching that. And everybody who is asking the question, where is he, can look at us and say, oh, he came, he comes, he's coming, right? It's all a signpost to him. I want to go back to uh, one, of those, one of those psalms that I talked about, those psalms of ascent, and read something for you. It says, I, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And it, it's kind of a double entendre here. The, the writer is saying, uh, where does my help come from? Like, where is he? I need to find him. And also, hey, everybody, where does my help come from? We're supposed to have the answer. My help comes from the Lord. And that's the next line that's here. The maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now imagine that they're singing that song on their way to Jerusalem as they're preparing their hearts, as they're going to meet with the people of God, as they're going to meet uh, with, with the Father, as they're headed there, so they're singing this song. You know what they have to pass through? They have to pass through roads that are rough. They have to pass through hills that are full of, you guessed it, thieves. That, that whole area was known for that. And so can you imagine as you're passing through these roads and as you're ascending the hill towards Jerusalem that you're singing those songs? It's like a, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And oftentimes that's, that's what it is for us in Advent, right? My next true confession. I'm singing some of those songs that we sang in the beginning today. And I'm asking God, please come. Please help, please help me realize this. Please help me feel it. Please help me live it. Because I, I don't always. My life is not a Hallmark card. It's often messy. The last six, seven months for me have been a disaster. No, I love Jesus more than ever. But man, I can't tell you how many times I've been saying, please come. I know you came. Please come now. I look forward to your coming. And really, that's what Advent is all about. We have a video uh, that I, I want to show you. Uh, this was uh, taken just a couple of weeks ago. Do you guys have that up there? Because we didn't, we didn't have time to run through this. So if something glitches, you can't get mad at the sound guy or the screen guy ever. Right? All right. Here we go. This is, my daughter was taking this video uh, the other night when my wife and I were coming home. And this is my dog, Mr. Tumnus, that we're going to see in this video. If you just click on it, the video should play. You don't have it. Imagine if you will. <laughs> my little dog, and we'll, we'll figure it out. My little dog, while my daughter was filming him, was running from door to door, window to window, waiting for mom and dad to come inside the house. He heard our voices outside. Right? My daughter was inside with her phone, and she's just following him throughout the house, and he's jumping on this chair, and then he goes over to the door, and then he runs to the back door because we had gone up the alley to take out the trash cans, and he was just back and forth, back and forth, just longing, just waiting, just anticipating. He knew our voice. 
He knew it was going to happen. He didn't know where, but he was saying, Mom, Dad, please come, right? And it was a great reunion when we got in the door, and he always goes absolutely crazy. And I know they say, downplay your arrival, and I go, why would I want to do that? My dog loves me more than anything, and so I play it up. (laughs) It was an exciting time for Mr. Tumnus and an exciting time (laughs) for me when we got home. And I thought, you know what? I want to live. I want to live my life like that. I, I want to know uh, that yes, he he came, uh, that he comes every single day, and he's coming again. And I want to have that kind of perspective, where when I don't know exactly what is happening, I don't exactly know what the next move is, uh, that God fulfills His promises, that He comes through, right? And that's another part of Advent is it, it's a promise. He's He came. He's shown himself to be faithful this whole time. He's, he's coming again. He promises. I want to sing a prayer for you. I will never be alone Cause you say that you're with me And this empty is a reminder Of how I sometimes hide Lord, this heartache is the fallout From the broken place where I come from And the place that I return to from time to time. But there's an old familiar tune inside me. And there is an abandoned song of praise. There is a long lost hallelujah, a memory held in hands that I once raised. I've gone hungry at a table of plenty set before me. I've gone wandering in a garden like stories that I know. I have passed up streams of healing to bathe in my own misery. Looking for the secret words you whispered long ago. But there's an old familiar tune inside me And there is an abandoned song of praise There is a long lost 
Hallelujah. A memory held in hands that I once raised. I sing these words out loud, so I will start to believe. My soul is catching up to where I want me to be. I shout these words out loud, because you told me, Lord, to sing. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord God, during this time of year, especially, Lord, when the world is inundated with your story and we so desperately want them to hear the real story, Lord, please come. Thank you for coming and please come. And Lord, we look forward to your coming. We love you. Amen. All right, we're not done yet. All right. All right, would you stand with me?